Hi. Welcome back. Oh, I thought you were kicking it off. Yeah. I'm allowed to pause between saying... Really things. sorry, that was my fault. Um, welcome back to the Only Finance Podcast. Um, just in case we didn't irritate you enough the first time, we're back again to bore you with our wonderful it, it takes on all things financy. Loosely. Ish. Kind of. Maybe. Anyway, before we start, because we're really amateur at this, we forgot to mention something last week that we quickly want to add. Um, if you are in any way following us, you will have found it on the website before we've actually spoken about it. But um, when we were talking about budgeting and we talked about the 50, 30, 20, that 20 being your wants, one of those things is when you're in a really tight place and there's not a lot of spare cash around, um, purchasing does make you feel better. All right, you feel better when you buy something. Yours is jumpers for Fox. Uh, mine's vintage. I can't help it. Um, but it does give you a, a warm feeling, right? Uh, we, we make light of warm, fuzzy feeling, but it does. You do feel better. There is something psychological we could maybe find out. More intelligent people than us could probably contact us and tell us what the actual definition is uh, and the technical word for it. But if you want to try and control it, there is a very, very easy way of doing so. So there's various incarnations of, of what I'm about to say but there's a one week rule that you cannot sort of use to try and manage that. I try um, it works generally um, I've done it recently with um, new money shoes and it, it does help. So when you're looking at the thing that you want to buy put it in a basket, close the app Amazon, Vinted, whatever it is that you're shopping Sheen. on. Sheen. What is Sheen? I love Sheen Sheen is my 3 o'clock in the morning if I've had a bad day I wake up at 3am turn my phone off flight mode because no wi-fi in the bedroom and then i shop on sheen like to an, an extortionate amount and i wear the same four things on rotation i've got no idea why i do it but sheen sheen is my guilty pleasure okay sheen sheen it is not to be confused charlie um <laughs> charlie sheen i got it yeah. <laughs> so we should probably edit that bit out um what you're going to do is use the one week rule you're going to look at it, put it in a basket, and then leave it for a week. If you come back to it in a week, and you still have the money, and you still want it, go ahead and buy it. But don't use impulse purchase to try and give yourself a, a you know a, a false feeling of happiness. Joy. Co- yeah, 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 joy. Because what you end up doing, having been there, is you buy something that you probably don't need, and then ultimately, if you get hit with a cost or build cars are the most expensive things in the world to bloody run and they're awful and roads are horrendous anyway so they're not worth driving on and you know that that short-term fix that joy you know you're just looking at well i wish i didn't have you anymore there's the delayed gratification thing as well Mm. so you order it and you know it's going to come in the post and you can get excited about the postman coming and i am well guilty of that as well i'll order like sellotape off amazon just because i know something's going to come through the door and I get really excited about it. If it's scissors, if it's sellotape, doesn't matter what it is, I'm excited because I know something is going to come through the post that isn't a fucking utility bill. Fair. Brings us nicely on. Actually, yeah, it really does. You're a pro. Um, so what we are going to be discussing this time is rising energy bills. How do we cope with them? What actually makes them so expensive? And is there anything you can do about it? Yeah, so we, you guys will already know that utility bills are just outrageous. We are recording this, so we delay most of our episodes. Like, we record in a bunch and then post them going forward. So we're coming off the back of the most recent budget, which yeah. was sometime in November. Yeah, so it's your, it, not to be confused, it's a, it, 
it is a budget as such, but in autumn it's called a statement. Now, the last time there was an autumn statement prior to Jeremy Hunt's um, in late November was quasi Quartang and Liz Trust, and they nearly crashed the oh, entire world. That was tragic. So, to be honest, um, in financial services especially, um, I was I, I met. Um, I was lucky enough to go to a, sort of a, a lender lunch on the Friday, which is like a bunch of specialist lenders get together, sit down, discuss markets and trends and things like that, and what that means for our businesses. Um, it's not a place I normally go, but my boss couldn't make it, so you know, uh, I had lunch and a couple of glasses of wine. It was quite nice. It's quite a nice day, but you get to have a lot of a, a chat with people who work in the same industry. And one of the things that we're saying is we're still quite nervous because the last time there was an autumn statement, um, the, the world melted. Yeah. Uh, in a way that was could only be was even worse than like a financial crisis because it just happened overnight and you know lenders poor products and all that sort of stuff and it made the world fucked um sorry again but this one has been less dramatic and less destructive however there is a couple of points to take away that like you need to look at as not being humongously positive but look at as don't think that these people are trying to look after you. Um, like, I'm not an anarchist by any stretch, but certain things have been done in a way to sort of make people think that they're getting something back and they're really, really not. So Also, off camera, he's like, definitely fuck the Tories. I'm kidding. He's not <laughs> at any point. He is not at any point said um, that. But the, the main one, the, the main highlight that came out of it that sort of trying to appease people with uh, the sort of the cuts to national insurance. Bear in mind that national insurance used to be used to fund... Uh, the health service, uh, national infrastructure, etc., etc. It is not. It is just essentially additional income tax now that goes into the same fucking pot that doesn't get split, doesn't give, get given to the NHS like it should, and essentially, yeah. It, well, it is an income tax now. They have taken two percent off the national insurance tax coming in next year. So instead of paying the twelve percent that we pay now, we'll pay ten. Now, if you're looking at that thinking, oh, 2% off my national insurance for an average earner that we discussed last week, for example, it works out at like 400 and something quid, without doing the exact numbers. First of all, your utilities bills have jumped four times that in the last three years, right? So it's not any money back in your pocket, right? They're saying money, it's relative to where you are. Like, if you're inside a train and it's moving forward and you jump, you move with the train, right? We're not inside the train. We're on the fucking roof of the train. So we're on the roof of the train. It jumps. It fucks off forward and we fall backwards, right? So use that analogy. We're back there now where we previously were forward there. This 2% doesn't do anything for the average person. They're not here to support the average person. What that is doing is trying to appease a demographic of people who have been absolutely bent over by the, by the last three years. And... I'm not saying this isn't political, this isn't about that. This is about the fact that this is being used to sort of cover off all the failings previously. There's loads of other points that I could go into in a lot of detail, and it's not because it's boring and there's people far more educated and more place to talk about it. But the other one that you've got to remember about this 2% cut that we're not actually benefiting from is the, something that you'll hear called fiscal drag or stealth tax. Now, as inflation has skyrocketed, uh, which ultimately has put people in a worse financial position. We've all been wanting pay rises. People want pay rises to match inflation, and that's the way it should be. Now, bear in mind the inflation target. So, which is normal. Inflation is normal. It's not bad. You know, it should be two percent. And at one point, we peaked at like fucking eleven. Like eleven. Just say that number out loud for an inflation. So, things cost eleven percent more than they did. 
it's bonkers. So our pay's been going up to try and match that. A lot of companies, there's been a lot of strike action from unions trying to make that happen. And absolutely, you know, the people that are being impacted by this are the people that aren't, you know, sat in crushed offices in Canary Wharf earning hundreds of thousands of pounds and no dissuade, no discredit to them. You know, they've worked hard to get there. But, you know, it's the people doing the jobs that are the bread and butter of our economy that are hit the hardest by this. It's, you know, the people working in shops. It's the people working on public transport, right? It's it, It's... Nurses, doctors, right? These are the people being impacted by it. So, if the tax threshold doesn't climb with that income, you're not actually better off because you're getting a pay rise. Because they're saying, oh, here's a pay rise with one hand, but I'm going to take away all of that money with the other hand. And the statistic that came out was there's about 4 million people that have gone from under the income tax threshold to above the income tax threshold. These are people on salaries under £12,750 a year, which is a tax pay allowance. So these are people who can least afford to pay tax. Now, they're not going to pay 20% on the entire thing. They're going to pay 20% on everything over that. But if you're talking about taking 20% of something away from a person who can't really afford to, you're not really helping them, are you? You're just giving one hand, taking with another. And then you've got the people that sort of sit between the 12750 and the 50700 whatever it is now, that are going into a tax threshold that means they pay 40% all the extra that they earn above that threshold. Again, you're not really benefiting from it. You're not getting additional purchasing power, right? So the the delay in upping this tax rate or the rate at which you pay tax is meaning that more people are paying more tax. It's a stealth tax. It's exactly what it is. They know exactly what they're doing. They've got hundreds of that and thousands of economists there who will tell them that's exactly what they're doing. And all the, the, this budget that the, or the autumn statement, there was something like a 20, he referenced a 27 million heads space in, in the budget or whatever the statement to be technical because a financial commentator will probably shout at me for saying budget when it's not a budget that has been created by inflation inflation that can be controlled by a government you have to remember that i want to step in a second and just dumb everything down that you've just said because cool. it's yeah, only yeah, totally yeah. valid but i think somebody that w- doesn't work in financial services might be like what the fuck just happened yeah, yeah and the whole point been... of this was making it simple right cool. so National insurance contributions, for one, yeah. everybody pays it if you're over the tax threshold, and the tax threshold for not paying tax is about £12,700-ish. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you earn over that annually, you will pay national insurance contributions. There is a huge misconception that your national insurance contributions mm-hmm. go towards the NHS. They don't. National insurance contributions, the idea is, the way that it's sold, is you pay into the system, and at some point in your life, you will benefit from that system so if you make national insurance contributions, you are contributing to receiving a state pension when you reach state pension age, if it still exists when we reach state pension age, yeah. or if you are signed off sick, you might get benefits. And the national insurance contributions pay into the benefit system. That's the way that it works. And then with inflation, the most the basic way that we can break it down, and last week we used the Freddo example, so let's yeah, stick yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. The price of stuff goes up over time. Mm-hmm. So if you have a look at five years ago when you used to hit Tesco at half past 10 or your Tesco Express if it's on a corner mm-hmm. and you would get a basket of things. So you would get Doritos, four pack of beer, eight pack of beer, bottle of wine, and a pizza, a microwave pizza, one of those really little ones. Look at how much that would have cost five years ago to how much it would have cost now. Guaranteed that that price has, what, doubled? Maybe Easy. more. And that's not because the ingredients are more special. It's just because the price of stuff goes up over time. It's why your parents bought houses for £90,000 and they're now worth a quarter mm-hmm. of a million. Inflation. The price of stuff goes up over time. 
and I just wanted to take a step back yeah, to break that sorry, down. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I've just got a bit. I've just got a bit ranty about it because I have listened in the short time since the statement and us recording this to people say, "Oh, they're trying to look after the average Joe." Right? No, absolutely not. There's a lot of things that can be said about it. It's not as beneficial as people make it sound. They say, you know, in financial services we have USPs, right, of your product. They're using headline things to grab attention. And then you've got to remember that after the budget or after a statement, the politician will then call the newspapers to angle it in their favour. Mm-hmm. And that, has, that was spoken about by, I think, Ed Balls on a podcast. And he said, yeah, the next thing that you do is you ring the newspapers to get the ang- and they get, try and get it to angle it in your favour. It's almost like the, hey, look at look at this. Look yeah, at yeah, what's yeah, going also, on over here while we kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. shove that in our pockets. Yeah. That's the exact same theory. Yeah, yeah. We've gone completely off track for this episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but, but one of those things that contributes to inflation, which is all part of this and which initially started off my right, is utility bills. There we and go. They are a huge We're back around. We're back around. So um, there's different factors make up utility bills. There's different aspects to it. There's things that you kind of can't do to help control and manage them. Um, I think to go completely off the notes, we start by talking about what people can do sure. to save a little bit of money if you're looking at your British gas bill and going, what the ever living fuck? Because honestly, aren't we all? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Cool. Right, so um, let's just like take it in turns to have ideas about what you would do. Okay, I got the switching off your light bulbs because we kind of both grew up in the north and we were agreeing on the fact that our parents would be like do you think this is blackpool illuminations if you walk out of a room and don't switch a light off or were you born in a bloody barn if you left the door open at any point because obviously the heat is contained to the room dependent Mm -hmm. on which radiators you have switched on in the house which is what my point was going to be so if you know that you're going to sit in the living room and chill for the evening binge your favorite series Turn your radiators off in other rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, the the place that I I live just outside Manchester in Coggleton, I tried to turn off you know radiators in the spare room. I've never been there. It was just it was a spare room that I literally just kept stuff in that was out of the way. If you know you're not going to go in the kitchen for the rest of the night, turn that radiator off. I didn't know that turning your radiators off. It's saved not it, right. It a- will save something because ultimately the amount of heat required will be lower. Um, but it's not like a it's not like a light switch where you can completely cut the power to it. Okay. Uh, what you do is most of them will have like a setting. It'll you know how much hot water is being pumped. Yeah, it's into like it. a naught to five. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, exactly. Right in Roman numerals. Why is it still in Roman numerals? Anyway, so that will control the amount of hot water that's being put into it and ultimately how much heat that's given out. So obviously, yeah. if you run your tap really, really quickly for thirty seconds, you use more water than you do if you run your tap really slowly for thirty seconds. So. Um, turn off radiators in other rooms is another example of things that you can do. Next. Oh, the it's just like a test. The extension cable next to your bed that has your phone charger and your alarm clock and yeah, 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 yeah. whatever else it is that you plug in yeah. next to your bed. Yeah. Go. Um, stop charging your phone overnight. If you commute and you drive anywhere, get an in-car phone charger, charge your phone in your car, charge your phone at work. Right. They are, and Chris highlighted this, the most expensive thing, well done, Chris, that you can use overnight is a phone charger. Because really, a phone takes, what, an hour to get fully charged, max now? I don't know, I've not timed it. Maybe we should have timed it before we did this. But you are in bed for seven, eight hours, right? Your phone's fully charged. Your phone doesn't then turn off the plug for you. You're still, that phone charger is still pumping that energy through. So don't charge your phone overnight. And if you, power. if you really want to charge your phone overnight, cool, but get out of bed, unplug your phone and switch it off at the wall. That is what yeah, I've learned yeah, from yeah. today's debrief before this episode. Exactly. 
What they're nice, easy ones. They're like the, the factors that you can't control are mm-hmm. the ones that we're going to move on to. Okay. When it comes about the factors you can't control, like these are things that are controlled and managed by the utility companies. So you cannot change them. Aside from maybe dragging their CEO out of their office and pitting him with a big stick until he changed his mind. Or do what I do and go on the company's house website and find out who the directors are. And <laughs> That's get called their... stalking. It's a bit different. Mm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, these are things, these are factors that you can't control. There's a lot of factors um, and we're going to cover off a couple of them. Um, bounce back ideas. Now, some of these we're going to say like the technical speak for them. Because you're going to see what the technical, you're going to hear the technical speak on TV. You're going to read it in newspapers or magazines or articles that you see on social media and stuff. But then we're going to try and translate them so that they are digestible and make more sense. So um, the factors we'll go through. Um, the first one we referenced was the wholesale cost. So. Yeah. To get this right, this is the price that the utility companies Correct. buy the power off other either companies or countries yeah yeah so the the companies that generate the power will then sell it to you tell your company that's a wholesale price so they'll buy it in bulk uh-huh. so it is essentially like trading right yeah you have a cup of coffee that i want and i want a supply of that coffee for six months so i will pay you up front for that supply for that period of time i will buy it at a wholesale price yeah so you'll hear wholesale supermarkets talk about wholesale sometimes it is the amount that the utility company pays the provider of the energy to have that. This, on its own, makes up about a third. Of the cost. It's of not exactly 33.33% recurring. Can't stress that enough. It's about a third. This is sort of information that you could go if you want to Google stuff like this. You'll be able to read into it in a lot more detail, obviously. Uh, second factor, biggest factor probably, is demand. So we were talking about this and I was comparing it to the toilet roll crisis of COVID. <laughs> When everybody decided that they definitely needed toilet roll because COVID gave you the shits and the price of toilet roll went through yeah. the roof and yeah. there were people like, there were TikTok videos of people fighting in B&M for like yeah. the last 24 pack of loo yeah, roll. Yeah, yeah. Exactly the same. I picture of empty toilet roll shelves during the pandemic as well and I went to my one day a week, one, one trip out a day trip to Tesco. A lot of trips. A lot of trips. No, there wasn't. There was one trip a day. And the idea with a, with power is the same. Yeah. Or with gas and electric, it's the same. So if we want more of it to yeah. use as customers, yeah. there's more demand for it. Therefore, because there's more demand for it, the cost yeah. goes up. Yeah. Which exactly. is why you could buy Andrex for like 52 quid off eBay during COVID. Exactly. So the demand, uh, demand puts more strain on the grid. Yeah. Um, it also, you know, energy companies will predict how much energy they're going to need to supply the people who use their product if they get that wrong and they need more they have to go and buy it at short notice at which the wholesale supplier again charge them more so yeah. they then need to price more for accounting that they're going to need to go and get more of it which is very 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 backwards when you think about it because you are essentially creating the the the, the, the environment to, to to profit from people needing something more which is really 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 unfair when it's fucking expensive anyway. It was exactly the same with PPE though, wasn't it? Same like, same concept. Yeah, yeah. NHS got rinsed over it. Uh, I won't go in and ramp that I normally go when it comes to the PPE stuff, but because all the contracts were fake. But there is all that aspect of it. Demand creates additional cost. Point three that we have here is yep. network cost. And you're going to have to take over on this one because right. I've got no idea. Right. So the network cost, when I talked about supply, is the infrastructure is managed separately by the energy company, from the energy company, should I say. So it's not managed by them. Now... They have to pay an off-gem agreed price 
towards supporting the infrastructure because without the infrastructure we won't get the energy so the power lines that you see in the countryside um, underground piping that provides you gas and your water these are part of infrastructure mm -hmm. the energy companies have to pay for the upkeep of this infrastructure and this is managed externally from them now that is a network cost that is attributed okay network mm -hmm. cost and then social and environmental obligation cost i had no idea that this one existed yeah, yeah. so let me see if i've got this one right yeah so the energy companies yeah. have a fee that they have to pay to government yeah, yeah. to fund yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, 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 yeah. that's it. exactly that so the government charged them um to uh support their social and environmental obligations so we want to be net zero we'll keep moving the data around yeah whatever we want to be net zero we also want to provide um you know, uh, green infrastructure, um, you know, we uh, there's like discounted schemes for upgrading your boilers and all that sort of stuff. Now this is subsidized by the energy companies. The problem with this is that that cost impacts your cost of you, your, your utilities, right? Yeah. So the government can essentially say to the utility companies or the energy companies, right, we want you to pay X amount towards this. And the company will go, right, well, then we'll just pay that by charging the consumer more. We've got no idea. I can find what that, contribution cost amount was. I don't know how much the government charges energy companies and we've got no idea how that relates. Um, there just isn't enough transparency in energy bills for that. So there's no way to find out, absolutely no idea what that percentage is, but it could be completely rigged against us. Um, essentially, that sort of summarizes the four aspects of the cost of your energy that you can do absolutely nothing about. So the reason that we wanted to focus on these, like you said, so I can't take credit for this, is because don't worry about them. Yeah, there's nothing you can do other than get angry and vote. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much of a difference your vote will make, but no, vote but, regardless. Yes, yeah. but focus on the things that you can do. Yeah. And the, the little change that you can make, you know, and have a little laugh about the fact that you now sound like your grandmother who you used to laugh at when she said, turn off the light. You hit I, your 30s and we reach, like, yeah, you are that person. Yeah, your yeah. back hurts, you just need an app yeah. and switch off the fucking lights. Yeah, and don't touch your phone overnight. Don't so, charge your phone overnight. But moving on ever so slightly um, to the unit cost, right? So you've got two aspects of your energy bill cost. You've got yeah. your standing charge, mm -hmm. which is what you pay regardless of your usage to have your energy sent to your house. Uh, and then you have your unit price. Now, we're not going to comment exactly on what unit price is because everyone has a different unit price. Depends which energy provider you're with, whether you're on a fixed variable direct debit tariff or whether you're on a pay-as-you-go. Yeah, but we had a really nice educational piece where I was like, but talk to me in real terms. Like, <laughs> tell me how much of my phone uses a thousand kilowatts right. per hour or yeah. whatever. And we've kind of got to a decent understanding, which we think might translate pretty well yeah. over this way. But once again, I'm going to hand it over to you. I'm going to okay. fob, fob this one off yeah, on you yeah, because yeah, it's fine. way beyond me. Fine. So make sure, obviously, keep me on track with the translation. So a kilowatt hour, right, is a thousand watts. And that's how everything's measured you will say you know your phone will use x amount of kilowatt hours your light bulb will use x amount of kilowatt hours and all that means is how many kilowatts you've been using now right yeah so the actual definition scroll 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 oh, no because no your pop-ups blocked it um, and i want to make sure i use this verbatim because um you know it's really important that if we're trying to understand it and we're trying to break it down that sometimes we've got to use some corporate bullshit to make it make sense yeah unfortunately so thank you and for... now liam's going to do this fun thing called a filler where he makes conversation while i find the notes because i've just lost our page <laughs> yeah excellent so the idea behind it is that each are we there 
I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, I failed in my one fine, job of scroll down on the so Word document. Every, every, we, we're focusing here on electric because gas is a very different thing entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, but the electric, the kilowatt hour thing, it's the most common thing, right? If you've got a gas cooker, if you've got a, a, a spoiler, obviously they contribute to that and that's your heating and obviously that's a serious thing. But we focused here on this because it's easier to sort of make it relatable and understandable. Yeah. So the what is a kilowatt hour? It's a standard measure of electrical energy equal to the power consumption of a thousand watts to one hour. I know that sounds fucking really interesting, but let's break it and make it a little bit simpler. Essentially, all a kilowatt hour is is how much some energy something uses per hour it's used. So we were then talking with videographer Chris, who none of you guys can see, even if you're watching this. You, you still can't see him. He's behind. Oh, he's going to do it. This is, there we go. Thank you so much for that appearance. Chris and I, when we go out and buy light bulbs, we just go out and buy the light bulb that you can screw into the right fitting on your ceiling. Liam, on the other hand, goes out and buys light bulbs based on their kilowatt usage. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean... Grown I think, up. I, I, I think what... Everyone else. So... It wasn't until I, I was living on my own during the pandemic, um, and I noticed everything was a lot more expensive. Um, utility, my, my utility cost went through the roof. Now, I made a couple. I did a couple of decisions that I wouldn't advise doing. I changed to a, a prepayment because I could more control and knew exactly what I was doing. And that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Because if you don't have cash, you, you get cold. You There's nothing that you can do. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas with the direct debit, you can, you know, you can speak to the energy company, which we'll come on to very, very quickly after. But a kil- so if a kilowatt hour is a thousand watts to an hour, right? If you look at a hundred watt light bulb, you could use that for ten hours, and that is one kilowatt hour. So if you were paying fifty pence per kilowatt hour, yeah, and you had that light bulb on for ten hours, it would cost you fifty p. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, go. that's a really good explanation. Right, so I, I don't know what the lightness is with straighteners because each one will have different kilowatt hour uses or whatever. Essentially, everything will tell you what it uses. What you just need to do is find out how much it uses and then you can start roughly estimating. Now, I'm not saying here, yeah, go not... out and pound and pen to count how long you'd leave your straighteners on for um, or how long you've got your PS5 on for, whatever it is that you use. Boy and girl comparison. Yeah, uh, I, I don't like have it. a PS Five. It's just that you said you, when we were doing this prior, we were talking prior. You talked about um, you know, make make it make sense in straighteners, Liam. Yeah, uh, and I was trying straighteners. To give to give me the straighteners analogy. Yeah, Actually, yeah, I used vibrators, but we'll switch. Yeah, over to well, it's the same thing. It's only finance after all. Um, so um, that's in a very very roundabout and not logical thought process that we have gone through. Mm-hmm. Is essentially what you need to do. Is just look at what it uses and that will tell you roughly what it's going to cost you to use for a period of time. We will provide a calculator to help yep. you get your head around it more. So you're listening to this and you're like, okay, this is great, but how do how does this relate to me? Go on the website, which by the way is theonlyfinancepodcast.com. There is a downloadable spreadsheet because we love a good Excel spreadsheet. Download it, have a play around with it. I can't take any credit for it whatsoever because Liam made the whole thing but you will find it really, really useful if you're gonna link it back to the budget spreadsheet that we did in the last episode. So go and check those Mm -hmm. out. And I think we're gonna finish off this episode talking about what to do if you are in a bit of a pickle when it comes to paying your gas and electric bill because there are so many people that are in that boat. So one question that um, we've been asked before is, does it affect my credit rating? And kind uh, of yes it does but yeah. in a roundabout way so yeah. if, if you can't afford to pay your energy bill you can't afford to pay it like 
that is the long and short of it is you need mm. something to change and if that change comes at a cost of your credit rating dropping a couple of points then so be it get yourself out of that financial difficulty uh, Liam was mentioning that a lot of lenders when it comes to mortgages will not look at utility yeah. bill stuff on your credit yeah. file anyway we're not saying just don't pay it that's not what we're advocating for but what we're saying is if you have credit card debt and if you have a mortgage and you also have an extortionate utility bill and you don't know where the give is the give is always going to be utilities first because it's going to have a it's going to have less of an adverse yeah. effect on your yeah, yeah, yeah. financial file yeah that was a really good way of wording it. Thank you. Um, not like this is, that wasn't a blanket assessment of how mortgage lenders look at things. I'm speaking from a, like being in a specialist mortgage space. Um, we catered for a wider range of financial circumstances. Now, your high street banks, I can't speak for them. I haven't worked in them, so I don't know how they look at it. And I want to make that very clear. Um, but a lot of mortgage lenders, certainly in the specialist space, will look at, will look at utilities and if you've got mispayments on utilities, they will not contribute that to their decision-making process. You have to remember that if you're looking at something like Experian or Check My File or any of the, 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 the credit profile monitoring facilities that are out there, you'll have a numerical score. Now, any activity, that will change. So if you go into a payment, a payment arrangement with a utility provider, that will go down. Don't think overthink the score. That's the important thing. Um, but make contact with them. Like I briefly alluded to, you said don't change prepayment <laughs> meters. Like fight tooth and nail to stay on, um, stay on a direct debit meters. There's some horror stories about British Gas forcing people onto prepayment meters. Um, they can't force away into your property. You don't have to open the door to them. Yeah. Talk to them through the window. If you get into that position, you just do not let them in. They can't force you to do anything. Legally, they have no standing to enter your property. We've both heard stories about British Gas knocking on people's doors and being like, so you can't afford to pay your bills, so we're just going to install a prepayment meter. Yeah. It will be great. And those families go cold. Yeah. So yeah. you do never you never have to let somebody into, into yeah, your property. So and that is like worst case scenario. But it's really important to know because you have somebody official knock on your door and be like, we're here to do this. And you kind of go, okay. Yeah. That is not how it works. So don't don't let them. Um, the most important thing, if you are in a, a tough place with them, is, is to contact your energy provider. Yeah. Like they have, like financial services firms do, policies for dealing with financial hardship, and they will be acutely aware. Now, the person that you will speak to on the end of the phone will be very understanding because they will speak to thousands of people a day across their entire sale a team about this situation yeah you will not be on your own if you're yeah, ringing up your yeah. provider and going i can't afford it yeah, yeah. like you there's no yeah. again there's no shame with that they hundreds are, of thousands of people will be in the same situation yeah. they are able to allow you to keep your direct debit reduce your payment you your debit will increase bear in mind if you've got a, a direct debit account you've got two ways you can be in it you can either be in credit or debit right if you're in debit they can't just close your account because you're in debit and sometimes you do that that amount fluctuates during winter you know, you'll go into debit. When you're in summer, if you're paying a fat direct debit price, you might go into credit. You might go into credit. Now, if you stay in debit, that is absolutely fine. Like, it's not a bad thing to stay in debit on your utility bill. They might not offer you a fixed rate tariff, although a lot of them aren't offering fixed rates at the moment because of the volatility or the ever-changing price of, of wholesale utilities. So if you are on that direct debit, and that direct debit you need to reduce because for whatever reason, you know, money is tight, call them and explain the scenario, right? They'll ask you, they'll, they'll go through, they'll ask you to go through like a, a, a pound and pence of uh, what you're paying for everything else. And they are under an obligation to support you. 
they are under an obligation. They can't just say, no, we're not going to deal with this. And just make sure that you document everything that you speak to about when you speak to them, what you speak about. Because when it comes to them trying to take any sort of enforcement in a worst case scenario, which is much further down the line, this isn't like they just go, oh, you what? You can't pay your direct debit. You want to reduce it by £15 a month. We'll send someone to knock the door down and change the prepayment. That's not what's going to happen. You have made a conscious effort to speak to them and engage and open a line of communication. And ultimately, there's so many people in that scenario. So many. There's going to be a lot of people who haven't had that conversation. There's going to be people who haven't yet had it, but will have to have it in the very near future. So just speak to them um, and get it in early that you know you might need to. And that's fine. And that's fine. So don't stress mm-hmm. about it. Don't, don't, don't panic. Just open a line of communication with them. Tell them what you can afford and work from there. There is always going to be support available. And worst case scenario, you know, like we said, you're not going to be on your own reach out to us, drop us a message. We will point you in the right directions yeah, of stuff through like yeah. all of our social media channels. So it's just really important to know that you're not you're not going through it on your own if that's the situation that you're yeah, in. Yeah. And tell your friends, tell your family, because you don't know who else is struggling with that same situation. Exactly. And that is all we have time for for this week's episode, I'm pretty sure. I think so. Thank you so much for joining us again. Please make sure you check us out on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, everywhere. It is The Only Finance Podcast. And you can go to the website, which is theonlyfinancepodcast.com. And there's loads of free stuff that you can download um, and find out a little bit more about us and what we do and why we're here. But please get in touch if you've listened to this. We love hearing from you guys. It's been a dream having you. Absolutely. And if you have read into this and you go, actually, you said that thing wrong, please do correct us because we'd love to correct ourselves. Yeah, we love... make sure we get that right. We love calling each other out on that most of the time. Yeah, yeah, it's mainly you calling me out. All right, thank you so much. Bye.